It's time to welcome the Gold Radio Award-winning music video creator sensation, top radio DJ, that is Greg James. Yay! Hello! And the crowd goes absolutely crazy. As I, as I can hear. <laughs> Thank you. It's always, it's always good to have a renter crowd nearby. <laughs> uh, so, Greg, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm very, very happy. Um, we've had a really busy week on the show this week. Cheryl um, Cole on, how was that? Yeah, it was good. We had Cheryl Cole yesterday. Um, she was doing a. We, she did a co-host with me, and it was very. It was, I suppose, quite high pressured because you want to, you know, make sure you get some good bits that people are interested in, and uh, you know, there's a lot of press interest and all the rest of it. But I was sort of focused on just having fun with her, and she was actually really fun. So yeah, I had a great day yesterday. Bit of a lad doing the uh, quick cricket. Yes, I know. So that was, <laughs> you know, I, I took the opportunity to uh, to tell her my my biggest fantasy about her because I know a lot of men fantasize about Cheryl Cole. Oh well, no, sorry, Cheryl. Um, but. <laughs> Fernandez <laughs> it changes all the time yeah whatever her surname is but a lot of men fantasise about Cheryl so I said to her my fantasy was that I'd quite like to go into the live lounge and play a competitive game of miniature cricket and, and we did and it was a lot of fun great stuff uh, so let's start with some questions that we got for you and let's go all the way back to the start of your radio life where did it begin for you and radio it started when I was about 14 or 15 I think and um I mean, I actually, you know, to be honest, it started earlier when I was about eight or nine. I remember that my that my dad used to make me listen to the radio. He made, he'd make me listen to the cricket on the radio, actually. So Test Match Special was probably the first bit of radio that I ever listened to. And I was sort of fascinated with it. And I just kind of thought, well, who are these old men talking about cricket and stuff? And I was sort of fascinated by it. And then I listened to loads more stuff. I listened to all sorts of stations. And I grew up listening to Radio 1 and Capital, actually, in London. I listened to Chris Tarrant quite a lot. And all those sorts of people, and then realised that these people were doing it as a job, actually. And when I was a teenager, I thought, that sounds like a brilliant job to do. And it turns out it is a brilliant job to do, and I'm really very pleased with how it's all worked out. But when I was 15, I went to my student radio station, uh, sorry, hospital radio station mm-hmm. where I lived, in Bishop Saltford, and I managed to just help out and, you know, tidy the CDs away and you know just just be around the station and watch some of the hospital radio presenters do their thing and it was really brilliant it was just it, it was so exciting for me because it was just something it was it was a bit of radio that I could be a part of you know you know whatever it, whatever it is you're doing like you know like like the station you're on now air it's it's just it's it's to do with radio and it's a part of it and you're learning about it all the time so I was just fascinated with it from from a very early age so that's kind of how it started they went to university and studied um, English and drama and then did a hell of a lot of student radio at the same time. So I did three years on my student station called Livewire 1350 AM. <laughs> and um, I did three years of that, and I was part of the music team. I did production. I presented. I realized that presenting was the thing I wanted to do most. And then I was the station manager. So I did all sorts of different jobs in that. And as well as that, I did community radio stations. So I did a, uh, a couple of shows on Future Radio um, in, in Norwich. And, uh, and that was kind of it, really. And then... Radio One um, spotted me through Student Radio and the Student Radio Awards, and that was kind of it, really. They, they, they kept in touch with me throughout my university life, and then when I graduated, they piloted me and uh, took, a, took a punt, and it, and it kind of paid off. And I it suppose. was the day after you graduated that you were actually on Radio One? Yeah, my first proper show was the day after my graduation ball. It was when Sarah Cox wasn't very well. She was doing a weekend show at the time, and the one of the bosses rang me up and said, and he, and he did speak like this. He went, "Hello, love. Uh, Sarah Cox isn't very well. Can you uh, can you pop back to London and do her show tomorrow?" 
And it was, you know, the most frightening phone call ever, but it turns out the most important. And it was uh, a real baptism of fire, and I and I just I loved it so much. I was complete. I was a complete wreck, though, nervous wreck before it, but. We got through it, and nobody died, and it was fine. <laughs> um, so who were your inspirations when you were growing up? Who did you love to listen to on the radio? Well, I loved people like Chris Tarrant, as I said. I, was, uh, I didn't know Chris Tarrant did radio. Oh, my God. Well, you need to, you need to, <laughs> you need to have a... Because, uh, uh, Reese, how old are you? I'm 16. Okay, that's fair enough. So fair enough. you would have been approximately, I don't know, three <laughs> or something. I'm suddenly feeling very old. <laughs> but Chris Tarrant used to do the Capital Breakfast Show in London. And he did it for about 17 years, and uh, he just had this huge following, and it was, you know, the biggest show in, in the area, really, and it was a, a huge thing. That was pre-Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, really. That was, he started off as a radio guy. Um, so he was brilliant, and I think people like, um, obviously, Chris Moyles was someone I listened to first on Radio 1. I, I, I discovered Moyles before I discovered Radio 1, actually. So I, I heard about this guy, listened to it, and immediately just loved it and loved the way that it was so spontaneous. It's when he was doing the afternoon show and it was so spontaneous and so so rude and it was so silly and I just loved it. I thought it was brilliant. So I, I just sort of got obsessed with it from there. And then I discovered Scott Mills and then I discovered uh, people like Zane Lowe. And then it's kind of mad now that I'm working at a station with all these people. So it's something that I have to sort of deal with every day because I still, I was just in the, in the lift with Scott coming up to you know, before he started his show and I just and there's part of me that's kind of like oh it's my mate Scott now but there's still a little part of me that goes oh my god it's Scott Mills um, because I listened to these people growing up and they really they really influenced me and inspired me I, I suppose just slightly away from radio people like um, Ricky Gervais is a massive influence I think in what my sense of humour has become definitely and people like Steve Coogan and, and that but I think Gervais on he used to do a show with Stephen Merchant when The Office was just kicking off um, on XFM, they used to do a really brilliant, rude radio show. And I think Russell Brand was brilliant on radio too. So there's these, these sorts of people that were my favourites. So uh, when you went to university, was drama that uh, something you wanted to carry on as a career or did radio just pop up out of nowhere? Well, I, um, I was always interested in performing and I suppose radio is, is essentially just that anyway, especially particularly entertainment radio is you know, performing and messing about and coming up with creative ideas and doing silly stuff. So I really feel like that that was the the path that I chose and it really helped that I did a performing degree as well and it was, you know, building my confidence. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't particularly confident when I was a teenager. I, was, um, I wasn't I was a recluse, but, you know, you're, it's a difficult time and you don't... I, I remember being really embarrassed, actually, about going to do hospital radio. It's very strange because it's actually a brilliant thing that you've got a passion at, at you know at the age of 16 like you have it's really it's a it's a brilliant thing that should be celebrated that you you know what you want to do and you know what you love doing you know what you're about a little bit so um i remember being really embarrassed strangely i can't really work out why i was now but um yeah i i really loved performing and messing around but you know, that's why I like to do those stupid videos and stuff. And <laughs> we'll talk about them a bit later on. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they'll be brought up at some point. Oh, of course they are. But, you know, it's, it's, it all kind of goes hand in hand. And it's, it really, this, this job, I, uh, I hate calling it a job because it doesn't feel like a job, but this job is absolutely, it's absolutely vital that you have confidence. And um, it's a, if, you, if, you have a, if you don't believe you can do it, then you probably won't be able to do it. So you have to be, you have to be full of self-confidence, yeah. So let's go back to your first time on Radio 1. You moved from the lunchtime slot to drive time, replacing Scott, um, switching over. 
Is that the slot that you've always wanted, or is breakfast still something that you want? No, uh, it sounds a, a little bit sort of rehearsed, but I, as I said, Moyles was the show that I listened to first, and that was on the way home from school. People in school were going, oh my God, have you heard this guy, Chris Moyles? And I remember listening to it in the afternoon first, and I didn't, I didn't really, when you're a kid, I suppose you don't really, unless you're a proper radio nerd like we are, then <laughs> you, you don't really know what you know what's better breakfast or or drive time but you, you, you can kind of work it out i suppose but i just thought of it as a brilliant show and i always loved listening to that i always listened to drive time more than i did the tour breakfast show because you're you're much busier in the morning and you don't want to get up and you're grumpy and you've only got 15 minutes to get out of the house and have your cereal and have a shower and stuff so i i always liked evening radio better because you'd finished school you're on the way home you heard some silly stuff and then you could get back inside and listen to the rest of it so i was always more of an afternoon radio fan of course, you don't turn down the Radio 1 breakfast show. Let's just say that. So, yeah, one day I'd love to have a go at it, but I, I wouldn't be depressed if I didn't. I, I'm very content with the the show that I've been given and also the hand that I've been dealt. I've been very lucky that Radio 1 have, um, have, have sort of persevered with me and given me, you know, the confidence and the time to develop and stuff, and I, and I really appreciate that. So I'm, I'm very happy where I am. But, yeah, of course, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't turn down the biggest, you know, the biggest radio show on the station. No. Uh, right, so today you're doing voiceover work at two o'clock. What is a normal normal day like for you at Radio 1? The great thing is that there isn't really a normal day, and that's why this is the most exciting and, and probably the only job that I could do. I, I really I don't think I could do anything else. That's, that's the truth of it, and there's no two days are the same. So um, normally it's, uh, there's meetings in the morning, so there's always something to discuss. Either it's a a show meeting with my producers to discuss the next week's stuff and what silly thing we can do next and what you know what we're going to do with our guests and all that kind of thing. So there's often a meeting in the morning for that. There's um, there's often uh, often a little voiceover to do or something. And then there's a lot of planning and preparation for the show. So we just have to sit down and you know yesterday I was going through various ideas for Cheryl Cole and and running them past her management and all the rest of it just to check that she was going to be okay with it all. So. There's lots to be done, and uh, no two days are the same. The only thing you can rely on is the fact that I, at 4 o'clock I have to be on the radio, um, and that's brilliant. And then in the evening, I've got this luxury of having some time to go and do stuff so I can go and go to a gig or, or, you know, uh, or, or whatever it might be mm. um, to report back the next day. So the, the hours really for me are just brilliant. They're really perfect. Great stuff. Right then, so let's play your first request that you've uh, asked for today. Yes, let's. Okay, so... Um, uh, thank you for asking me to play music. I, I never get asked for requests. I, I'm, I'm normally the request giver. Hmm. Um, so I thought it would be best to play a track that really sums up my time at university, good old University of East Anglia on student radio. One of the first bands that I played on my show when I was, how old was I, I suppose, 18 or 19 or something, was a band called Maximo Park. And uh, they have, since that day, when I first heard this song, I have never looked back and they are still up there. I'd say they're top 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 two, I'd say Coldplay and Maximo Park are my favourite ever, and this just reminds me of university, and it's just like the happiest time ever. This is Maximo Park, and apply some pressure. Air 107.2 And we still got Greg James here. Greg, how are you doing? Still oh, right? I love that song. Great stuff. Uh, this is a little bit like a Piers Morgan's life stories today. I'm not going to cry. We've got the music and everything. Don't worry, I'm not going to cry. They're pathetic. You know, the people that, that show, they always cry, don't they? Okay, enough about Piers Morgan then. Let's yeah, let's, let's keep let's, it positive, yeah, shall we, Reese? All right then, let's talk about these music videos, Greg. They're just amazing, I've got to say it. 
<laughs> I've got to say it. Thank Miley you. Cyrus, Kaiser, Swifty, and Bieber. What has been your favourite? <laughs> um, I would say Kaiser. Kaiser. Yeah. How I, I, is the How is the dance routine for that? Well, the um, but the reason I like it the most is because it was the most complicated one to learn, and it, it felt like after I'd done the 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 sort of Mickey take of Miley Cyrus, I thought, how can I, how can we move it on a little bit? so that it's not just me messing around. And I thought, the only way I can come back from Wrecking Ball is to do a proper dance routine and learn it and so that people are genuinely impressed and, that, and don't just go, oh, he's dressed up as a woman again. Oh, yeah, we've seen that joke before. But um, I thought it would be quite funny to surprise people and go, actually, I've learned the dance moves and it looks quite fun and it looks quite good. Um, obviously, I still look ridiculous because I'm too tall for everything and quite uncoordinated but i tried my best i think you'd i think even if it wasn't 10 out of 10 for the for the product i think 10 out of 10 for effort wouldn't you say yeah it was fantastic um and louis spence as well louis spence turned up at the last minute <laughs> yeah we needed we needed something at the end and we couldn't work it out for ages and suddenly i just went we need we need the campest dancer in the world who who's like a comedy <laughs> camp dancer and someone went louis spence so we rang him, and God bless him, he drove up the next morning and did it for us, and uh, he got it in about 10 minutes. He was only there for about 15 minutes in total, and, um, and he absolutely nailed it, and I think that was sort of the, uh, the, the cherry on top of the cake. It was a lot of fun to do, and that's probably got the best reaction from people. It's not been, you know, it wasn't seen by as many people as the Wrecking Ball one, but it was never going to, because it's, it's not, you know, that, that Wrecking Ball was the, mm. the thing of the moment, wasn't it? But um, the Kaiser one I'm most proud of, actually, because... Uh, it took a lot of uh, a lot of work to to do. Uh, let's talk about the Miley Cyrus video then. Um, how yeah. did it feel actually doing that? Were you a little bit nervous just sitting there completely naked? Um, what was I nervous doing the Miley one? Yeah. Um, not really. We didn't really think we didn't really think about it, and I think that's probably where good viral videos come from. We weren't really aiming it to be a massive viral hit. I don't think you can you can't predict these things. I just thought this looks it will look so stupid. So that's really the inspiration was just to be as stupid as possible. That was it. And it went really well. Loads of views on that one. Yeah, loads. I, I don't know how many. It's, I think it must be on nearly six million now or something. That's and mad. then um, Miley came and actually saw you on a wrecking ball, didn't she? Yeah, she saw it. And um, <laughs> she, I, you know what? She's kind of unshockable. So she didn't. <laughs> she's she used to these things. Really say anything about it. She was. Well, I mean, she did. She was. She was impressed. I think. But you know, she's. She was the original one who did it. So she's. Uh, probably seen it all before but she had seen it someone had shown it to her before so she was aware of the work now along with your radio life greg you do a lot of stuff on tv mm. um so you've been to loads of festivals this year what has been your favorite festival i think that the big weekend was a lot of fun yeah year, just because the lineup for me was my favorite ever you know coldplay and katy perry and and that and, and uh and kasabian were brilliant as well i think it was a really amazing lineup this year but i think other apart aside from that tea in the park probably um, I just had the most fun at Tea in the Park and we had uh, some really great guests and it just felt really relaxed and the sun was shining and I'd had a really great week doing G in the Park before it, which is where I had this mini festival that I put on at BBC Scotland and we had um, some special guests come and perform and we stayed overnight in a campsite in the Sh building. With Shall we just talk about G in the Park a second? Yeah, sure. Is this something you're going to do again? I hope so. Because I, I got to admit, I was up to about 2am watching it. I got kind of, <laughs> kind of addicted to it. Did we give you a shout out? I don't think so. Oh, I'm sorry. Bit Not going to go into I'm that, though. I'm sorry. No, I won't, I won't open up old <laughs> wounds. Um, but no, we, we did this idea, for your listeners who don't know, we put on a mini festival before Tea in the Park, which is Scotland's biggest festival anyway, um, to sort of celebrate you know, the week of being in Scotland. 
and uh, we were given this brief, which was, you have to do a week of shows, and you have to do them inside the BBC building. And I thought, well, that sounds quite boring. Let's, let's try and do something else. So we decided to come up with a, uh, a campsite and a, and a mini festival, and we had loads of artists perform. We got loads of listeners to watch it, and they stayed overnight with us in tents, and we streamed the whole thing on the website so you could watch it um, 24 hours a day pretty much on the, um, on the Internet. So it was kind of like Big Brother and the radio show and the music festival. It was, it was really fun. Now, you did have a bit of a shock there, didn't you? Let's just have a listen to this. Good morning, Greg James. This is your worst nightmare. Are you joking? Wakey, wakey. Get the water pistol. <laughs> Here comes the water pistol. Yes, Greg. There we go then. Uh, from Radio One, uh, Colette, how was that waking you up on the uh, on the Thursday morning? Horrible, really horrible. I, I said to Grimmy that they crossed the line. <laughs> and oh. I, what and about I, the snake situation as well? Are we? Is oh, that, that worse? Would I you mean, say? that that was just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Not what is needed. Ever. What have you got planned for Grimmy? Um, it's going to happen. I can't tell you what it is. Okay. But it's going to happen on Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. We're going to look forward to that one definitely. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, if it comes off, we're planning it at the moment, if it comes off, it'll be amazing. I'm sure it will be. So, Greg, you're multi-famous now with the radio and TV. What do your friends from school actually think of you right now? Um, well, this is the thing. I like to sort of keep it all as normal as possible, really. And uh, my best friends now are still my best friends from school. And we just hang out a lot, and it's just, like, normal. They take the mick out of me all the time, though, for stupid things mm-hmm. and but they get into free concerts yeah they they get they reap the benefits <laughs> this is the truth they they're, they're only friends with me because i take them to gigs and stuff but um yesterday i got a text off my mate will who i've been mates with since i was about 11 or something and he sent me a picture saying you're interviewing cheryl cole i'm buying curtains <laughs> and um yeah they keep me uh they they, they keep me grounded <laughs> they do <laughs> But we just, uh, I try and share it with as many people as possible because it's just a, it's a really fun job and like, I invite my mum and dad to stuff and all the rest of it because in, in general, the, the show busy world is a load of old rubbish but it's just, you know, don't take it too seriously and it's quite fun. Great stuff. Right then, uh, your second request now is going to be your all-time favourite band. Yeah, Coldplay, for sure. You just love them so much. Chris Martin t- at uh, Big Weekend, just amazing, wasn't he? Kings it, of Leon on. Oh, it was so good. He was... Uh, I've got proper... I really want him to be my best friend. <laughs> I, do, I really do. And it nearly... It sort of started to happen at the big weekend. Um, he, uh, he saw me in the backstage bit, and I was just like, oh, hello, because I'm really nervous when I meet him. I go, hello, how you doing? He goes, hey, um, could, you, uh, could you show me to the BBC Three Treehouse? I'd like to have a look up there. And I went, uh, yeah, sure, let, let's go. So there we go. We just walked up to the treehouse, and he went, oh, it's great. It's so cool. You can see all the acts from up here, and such a great festival and do you mind if i stay up here for a bit and i went no of course you can stay up here and then suddenly he just goes um are you hungry do you want to go and get some lunch <laughs> I went, yes of course um we'll go and uh we'll go out there and grab two venison burgers and a couple of milkshakes and we'll uh, have lunch here and i couldn't believe this was happening this was ridiculous so he sent his security guard out to go and get us some burgers and milkshakes and uh we just sat up there and ate them and chatted Great stuff. Ridic- it was ridiculous. Better, best view and loads of food and just some great music. Oh my god! I think he just. I think you know, since the since the breakup, I think uh, he wants to be uh, as normal as possible.
Okay then, Greg, let's play it right now then. This is a sky full of stars on Air 107.2. <laughs> Air 107.2 Coldplay and a sky full of stars on Air 107.2 Greg, did you love that one? Amazing, such a great uh, song from that album, such a great comeback song as well So you mentioned before that you've spoke to Chris Martin You've interviewed acts like One Direction, Lily Allen and David Attenborough Who has been your favourite celebrity interview? I would, I would say out of everybody One that I immediately remember is Judy Dench I think she's pretty good Why is that? Because um, she's such an icon and it was just around the, uh, you know, the, the, the last Bond film she was in, Skyfall. Mm-hmm. And it, was a, it felt a really special. She was lovely. And we talked about um, Lethal Bizzle and, you know, his Dench T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was really fun. She was just a lot of fun to, to interview. So he, she was great. And we had Elmo on the show. And we've had Liam Neeson is always a real favourite of mine as well. What about um, Alan Sugar? Alan Sugar. Well, that was the most awkward interview that we, <laughs> turned, that we actually turned good. Um, it was a, a really really funny interview because um, he was he was grumpy really grumpy but I thought here we go here's an opportunity to really mess with him so I just kept going like a naughty little uh, like a naughty little schoolboy. Uh, right then so you've done so much for charity you've uh, rode down the Zambezi you've been out to Afghanistan would you do any of that again? Definitely um, no question I'd love to um, obviously the Afghanistan thing probably won't happen again because all the troops are withdrawing Yeah. but um, I'm pleased that we went there before all that happened, and just to see it and experience that that way of life, I suppose, is bizarre. And it was really, uh, it was a really weird week of of shows because um, I was genuinely scared because we were in a war zone. It was quite odd that we were doing a show from Camp Bastion, and I remember uh, saying on the radio that I was actually quite scared of this whole thing. And uh, it was yeah, it was it was a really interesting week, and I met a load of amazing people and uh, learnt a lot, really learnt a lot, and. Uh, that was fascinating. And then the week, the week of Comet Relief doing the Zambezi thing, uh, completely different again, obviously, but really amazing to see that part of the world, which is full of you know, poverty and really you know, quite bad stuff, but it's really beautiful as well, which is quite a weird. Bit of a frightening moment there down the Zambezi. Frightening as well, yeah. When the when the canoes got lost down the rapids. Yeah. I mean that you know when you watch those programs, and I was the same when I watched them as a kid. You would think, oh, they're hamming this up, or this is a bit, you know, this is a bit um, staged. But uh, I wish it was because that that day was horrible, and we lost Dara O'Brien and uh, and Jack D down the wrong rapid. It was pretty frightening. Yeah, they they sort of had to scramble a helicopter to try and find them. So those treks are are pretty dangerous, but obviously the most rewarding. Oh. Yeah. And do you think your show would be any different without such people as Chris Smith with the news and Pippa? Say that again. Sorry. Do you think your show would be any different if you didn't have such people as Chris Smith or Pippa? <laughs> I think it's a really brilliant team. And, that, and I think that's like that's really vital to uh, that's really vital to um, to to any sort of creative team. I think it's it's really important that you've got a great producer who who gets you and gets your sense of humour. And I've actually been very lucky on Radio One I, when I first started. I had a guy called Neil, and then I had Laura Sayers, um, and now I've got Pippa. And I, and I think I'm very I'm very lucky that they they get my sense of humour. They uh, they know you know, the way I like to do things and, and, and we all work together nicely on, on ideas and, and things. And I think that's, that is when the best ideas come is when the team is happy and you're all collaborating together. It's only a small team, you know, it's, you know, it, it, strictly speaking, it's just me, Pippa and Travis. Uh, Chris is the newsreader who, you know, I was very lucky that we are friends anyway and we really get on. And I listened to him actually when I was a kid, he was on XFM 
as a sidekick and I just uh, sort of I was obsessed with him and then luckily he came to Radio 1 and I thought right I'm going <laughs> to grab him because he's just a very funny creative man so I was very lucky to get this team but yeah I'm sure the show would be very different if I had a if I had a bad team and a useless producer and a unfunny news really yes it would be but um, you've got to make the most of what you've got and I think I'm very lucky that I've got these people you know, particularly Pippa who just works so hard and gets gets the show um, and it seems to be really sort of working because people listening to the show sort of really get it and respond to it and you can get a feel that people really really respond to certain things so it's a it's the most rewarding thing ever, really. And it shows it working because you got your Gold Radio Award, of course. Just honestly, the the most it's the proudest I've ever been of anything in my life. It was such a wonderful night, and uh, it. Um, I don't want to sound too worthy about it, but obviously, as a radio nerd, you know that is doesn't really get any better than that. The nerds rule the world, don't they? Well, I suppose so. Yeah, but it, if you you know, I'm, I'm very my number one passion is is radio, really, and to to be rewarded in a by by the radio industry and to go yeah we think you're good that is sort of i can't really ask for anything more than that i i said to a mate the other day i said look if i if all this fell apart tomorrow i would be absolutely okay obviously i'd have to find another job because i'd be broke <laughs> but um I, I, i'd be absolutely okay with what's happened so far i think i i've achieved way more than i thought i actually would and, and there's loads more to achieve i think you know when you you get you, you think if things start to go well, you think, oh wow, well let let's see what else I can do, you know, because the possibilities I suppose are a bit endless. But I'm very happy with with everything at the moment. I'm taking stock and just going, this has been a great year. It's been really fun. And that night at the at the radio awards was just, it was crazy. I mean, it was it was mental. I was on stage in front of all these people that I would listen to as a kid and all my heroes and everything. And I thought, oh my god, I'm I'm on this stage. This is my two minutes to speak and say thanks and stuff so it's honestly it was the proudest I've ever been and would you say that's your highlight of working at Radio 1 well I always say my highlight was actually getting it in the yeah. start of it and I'll never forget that moment I was on holiday with my mum and dad and my girlfriend at the time and uh, I remember we were just sat around in the sunshine um, and then my phone rang and it was Radio 1 and they were like right, we're off, right, we'd like to offer you uh, offer you the early breakfast show full time from October, I just sort of collapsed and just was like, this is, this is unbelievable. You know, they were like, right, you've got a two-year contract. Um, you're going to be working, you've got to move to London, you've got to, all the rest of it. And I just I just sort of started crying. It was unbelievable. It, it didn't feel real, honestly. It doesn't, it, and it doesn't, to be honest. It really doesn't feel real because I still feel the same as I did when I was 16. So it's, it's, a, very, it's a very odd world. But um, you sort of try and, you try and hide that you're a bit overwhelmed all the time, I think, <laughs> because you just it's just so enjoyable. Yeah. And what tips would you give to any future people wanting to be in radio, Greg? Well, it sounds like the oldest cliche in the book, but it's very important not to give up and not to lose heart. And if you do, you know, if you do really believe that you can do something, you should absolutely go for it. And whatever job, I think that's it's very important to do it. You're you're only on the the world for a very short amount of time, so you might as well follow those. You know, dreams that you have because uh, why not and, and someone else will get them if you don't do them so uh, I think you've, you've got to make the most of every opportunity as well and they sound like a load of cliches that I'm reading off but it's because they they work and if you do stick to them and you go I've got this idea I think this is going to work I always say my motto is now why not you know just give it a go do you think this will work why not it's uh, it's the easiest thing in the world to say no easiest thing in the world to say it's too difficult and I think it's very important that people are positive and go do you know what? 
I might be the person that gets that show. And um, and I did have that mentality when I was 18 and a bit fearless. And I and I really believed that and it, and it worked. Okay, on that note, Greg, thank you so much for being on today. It means so much to us. Pleasure. No, absolute pleasure. Well, thank you. I mean, it means a lot to me because it's, you know, people are bothered to... To, uh, they, they kind of want to hear what I, what I want to, you know, what I want to say. So we want to hear it. So all. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, what are your plans for the next uh, couple of weeks, then, Greg? Next couple of weeks, what am I doing? Well, I'm playing cricket at the weekend, <laughs> and then uh, we've got um, a couple of weeks before we do Reading Festival, and then I'm doing the Great North Run. So I'm doing a lot of running and a lot of training at the moment. So. Great stuff. All the best with that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks you so much for being on today, Greg. And uh, when we had Scott Mills on, he requested to end with "Call Me Maybe." <laughs> Typical, Scott. Uh, what have you requested for us to end with today, then, Greg? Oh, actually, well, I've, I've gone for a sentimental one because I am, uh, as you probably gathered, quite a softy. Um, beneath this steely, hilarious exterior is a person with real heart. <laughs> and, um, mm. I would like to finish off this interview today uh, by saying thank you. And That's also, right. um, this is a track that we played at the end of the Afghanistan shows um, for all the uh, for all the. Uh, families and friends of people who had sadly lost their lives and uh, were, were feeling a bit sad and, and, you know, just missing people at Christmas and everything. And I think this is just a beautiful, beautiful song written by a very talented man. This is Ben Howard and Keep Your Head Up. Thanks for being on today, Greg, and keep in contact. Thank you so much. Cheers, Thank you. Bye. Bye. Air 107.2.